All right, guys, Circuit of the Americas edition of Stacking Pennies, breaking down all things. Road coursing. Tyler Reddick gets the dub. Daniel Suarez loses his mind after the race. We're going to dig into absolutely what went on there. Everybody smashing everybody, but he was really a little more mad than everybody else. And then Jordan Taylor joins us right here in studio. Zooming in. This is Stacking Pennies. Crank it up. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. Hello, friends. I am Corey the Joy, driver of the number seven Chevrolet. Decent run this week. I'm joined by my buddies. Uh, to my right, Mr. Chuck Bush. Hello. To my left, front tire changer of Ryan Blaney's Ford Mustang, Ryan Flores. Happy to be here. You guys were backwards more than your Fords. Yeah. Yeah, Sunday. it wasn't great. I, The only person I saw more than 12 car was you because you just kept having to come down pit road there that first stint. Well, cut the course. Then no, you I only cut the, yeah, I cut the course once. Um, and then our diffuser was falling off. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then last but not least, Ice Cold Blue Mountain takes Jonathan Merriman. You have a confession. What do you got? I did not know you finished 11th until yesterday at probably 2 o'clock. He had to text me and say, hey, did you know that Corey finished 11th? I, I had like, no yeah, idea. Here's, here's watching the, the damn race. I saw you 35th, two laps down. Here's I was like, all right, turn the TV off. I love that. I want to fly under the radar. No. We're still here in points. You're in the in, playoffs. I am in the playoffs. Yeah. Playoffs. Fly under the radar. And you're not, right now, you're not the last person in the playoffs. Fly under the radar right now. I'm not the last. No. I'm second to last. Yeah. Of the playoffs. Of the projected playoffs right now, Denny Hamlin's last. He'd be the Ooh, you got, you're in yeah, front of him. Smoking him. Yeah. Bro. Going to Richmond, though, he's pretty good there. Pretty good there. You but, a, didn't you? No, you almost won a cannon, re, cannon race there. Brett Moffat beat me by like three feet. And um, then one time he wrecked with Greg Alding. He Greg was like Alding, your brother, old. was like, freaking Krispy Kreme, kid. <laughs> Beaver was so mad. That's the only time Beaver's ever been mad at a Krispy Kreme donut. He ain't never been mad at one since either. <laughs> I promise. Where do we even start, Chuck? Can I just bring something up? Why, after the race, we've got the microphones getting stuck in all these guys' face. What do you think about the respect level? What do you think about the race and etiquette? What do you? Th- Meanwhile, you got guys flopped out, falling out of the seat, and we want to talk about how as hard racing as we do, you guys love it. You guys love to see us smash into each other and spin each other out. Why is the aggression level that the Cup Series is racing with right now a bad thing? I'm asking. You asking me? Yeah, I'm asking. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing either. It doesn't bother me. I, I don't like the look of how the last three or four restarts went down. Sure. There are ways you can but tweak the restart zones and potentially move it back and but stretch at least it out. That's, at least that's for something. Like, in my memory, go back to a few things. 2010 Dover, Harvick and Hamlin are beating the shit out of each other in practice. What's the difference there? On pit row? in practice on the track and on pit road. Then you got Brad Keselowski wrecking Byron at Daytona a couple years ago in practice, um, tearing stuff up. Kyle Busch wrecks Harvick's car in Darlington in 2011. Did they penalize play. him for that? I think they did. What? Do you remember? Do you uh, I cannot remember. I will look that up. But, like, to me, if it happens on the racetrack in the race, like, at least it's for something. These guys that I just mentioned aren't accomplishing anything in practice and after the race. Talking about practice practice but like it happening it's happening races as long as nascar has been a nascar thing has it not i think that we are talking about two different things right right now the track layout is the setting for seven lanes wide into turn one into a 120 degree braking zone then you realize that also if you don't fill that piece of asphalt in front of you or next to you the next guy behind you is going to so you have no choice but to stuff it in there we could adjust the restart zone a couple of these places to for NASCAR to kind of save the drivers from themselves so they can have like this like to just stretch the field out so you don't get that log jam to turn one but then again the cars are strong they are structurally rigid you can smash into people so if you don't pay a penalty for any cosmetic damage then you're going to use it up and you got to get a spot and it's so hard to freaking pass if you like, you just got to use the bumper. There's just from the front of the field to the back of the field. You could talk. You listen to Jensen Button. You listen to Kimmy. You listen to to Jordan Taylor's going to listen. Who's going to join us here shortly on the show of just the aggression level and how those guys have to get up to speed of like bump or be bumped. Like I don't hate it. To answer your question, post Darlington 2011, NASCAR fined Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch both 
25K and place them both on probation for the next four points races. So what you're talking about is like post race. Like, no, but it's like beef, right? Like people are mad at each other. They wreck each other in practice. Well, that's like, my thing. What we're talking about is just a general, yeah, just the generalization of the whole field and Racing. how there's just no respect between anybody. But what like, is respect? But my question is, what's worse? Not smashing into somebody. Is it is it worse doing it for position and points on the track, or is it worse when you wreck a dude in practice and tear a race car up, or you know, or sitting there beating the fenders off of it at Dover, like? You know, that's still a different conversation. You're thinking about retaliation. I'm thinking about in general, like what's a bad look? Yeah, because everybody but, but will say talk, this is a bad yes. look. Yeah, but you're like that. That's like I love all of it to be honest. So with you. when people wreck each other on purpose or they get mad at each other, that's one thing. This is just general racing, racing etiquette. etiquette, like between everybody, not a not two guys, just nobody races each other with respect. That's what they're saying. I don't. Well, think... I'm 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 not a huge fan of the way drivers are acting right now, because like when I look at Certain drivers, not you, but other ones that have podcasts and people that talk quite a bit, they always want to be critical of NASCAR. Right away, cars, cars aren't safe. This tire sucks. This is dumb. This package is terrible. And then they go out and have a showing like they did this weekend that was terrible. Oh, you got to save us from ourselves. Like, okay, at what point are the drivers like held accountable? Because like, because never, no, never. And I have zero sympathy. Like I. You're my buddy. I love you. Love Joey. But like you can you can only see it through your lens mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, there are 40 guys here that are making more money than anybody today. Yeah. And like if now they have to be saved from themselves, they can't be big boys and save themselves because like they, I never get like in my position, I never get a benefit of the doubt from the from a driver ever. Right. So like at what why do you, like why do the drivers who essentially are making the most money, they they have they have the most to lose and the most to gain. Why are they not being held more accountable? Well, here's who you're accountable to. You're accountable to your guys, your partners, <clears throat> and your team for the best finish possible. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're not a, you're not accountable to the other drivers. You're not accountable to your fans, really and truly. Which some guys, I mean, I I would argue the contrary, but. You're not accountable to anybody else except the pe- the guy that you drive for and the people that are on your car and the guys that are working on your car. And if the way to get the best finish impossible is to race to the level or of disrespect or aggression level as the other guys, then you have to raise or lower your respect level or your threshold of what you consider clean racing down to the level of everybody else. Yeah. When there is a setting such as turn one at Indy GP, when you go, you have a half a mile long straightaway, a two by two restart down to a 40 mile an hour right hand 90 degree with six lanes wide, you're just going to get that. The tracks are built for this. Coda is built for this. When they built, they're built for F1 cars. But but when they built turn one, when they built turn one, the end of one of the longest straightaways we go to with an 180 degree hairpin, 50 lanes wide. Like that's what it's built for. It's not built with the intention of cup cars, rolling starts, double file at 70 miles an hour. It's built for standing starts, F1 cars one time. So when you bring our racing package with the way our rules are set up, if the, the, where you position the restart zone is important. If the restart zone was in the middle of 20, and the leaders can turn the corner and launch then, it would spread the field out, so then you don't get guys driving over top of each other. But now we're stacked all on top of each other going for every piece of real estate when you look like a bunch of assholes. So if but you... it's not like there's no gentleman's agreement that you could possibly do to say, all right, guys, let's just stay two by two and turn one. It's never going to happen. I, I want to go back on what I was saying to you, not, not to take back any statement, but to say I, don't, I like it. I like the race like this. I don't love that we got spun out five times this weekend and had to work on thing, but I like the aggression level. I don't like when guys get into it, go back to the coach, drink a glass of wine, and they're buddies the next week. I want you guys killing each other. I just don't love when the drivers completely run, certain ones completely run NASCAR and everything they do every week. They're super critical of everybody, and then... In the driver chat, it's like, well, now we got to fix this, but we got to save our, save us from ourselves. If that, that's take, my point. If you take 
this track and everything and just insert a cup field from 1996, do you get anything different? Because the conversation is, well, they used to race with respect. And, you know, yes, because the cars were more fragile. If you ran in the back of somebody in 1996, you knocked the radiator out of it. If you take the driver, put them in a next-gen car, if you take the, the field yeah. of drivers and put them in a next-gen car, do you get the same thing? Absolutely. Dale Earnhardt if would you, do it. If you took a football player out of the 1950s with the helmet and the pads they have today, do you think they're leading with their shoulders like back in the day, or are you leading with the, the crown of your helmet? You're like You play to the level of the equipment and what the – threshold of what everybody else races against who are the roughest guys in history earnhardt was probably one of them right i got a hot take let's hear it <laughs> everybody wants to talk about and i've been guilty of this too ross chastain ross chastain doesn't weigh his pros and cons he does like i've said here shark mode sometimes shark mode ross he'll go run to somebody when it's really not advantageous to him just for the spot maybe at that particular point of the race there was somebody else that used to do that Got, drove a black number three. Is Ross Chastain the reincarnation of Dale Earnhardt, Merriman? Oh, what, what I was going to ask you is, like, what's the difference between what we saw and then Bristol you know, with Terry? Twice. Yeah, twice. Same year. Is nobody going to tell me I'm a dip? No, I, 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 mean, I, I don't, don't think. I mean, different. It's, yeah. I don't, I don't think, think that different. Ross Chastain is the reincarnation of Dale Earnhardt, but he has certain tendencies in the way that he drives that mirror, you know, from someone who probably grew up watching Dale Earnhardt race, like, Okay, yeah, you learn from that. You learn from the Intimidator. That's the man's name. He was there to intimidate you, not make you your friend. His name's Ralph, actually. Throughout racing, there have been like this, this, this idea of etiquette. These incidents happen throughout the history of the sport. It's nothing new. It's just now Hang we on. have more media covering it. I'm glad you brought that up. Jeff Gordon, in many people's Mount Rushmore of NASCAR faces. Yes. He came out and flat out hooked a right and wrecked not just the person he was trying to get, two other people. The championship favorite. The championship favorite. So, like, this picked your poison of, well, this guy does it, so it's okay. Well, this guy does it. Well, that's a little bit too much. Where's the line of what's okay and what's not okay? The difference between Dale Earnhardt and Ross Chastain is when they take their helmets off, the charisma that Dale Earnhardt had yeah. and the way he handled it. And like, he would wreck you and then make you feel like it's your fault, like your fault or I'm sorry for then you're right front fender. Like Earnhardt. feel bad for you. Bring you on a hunt. You know, like Ross is Ross is like Joey. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of sim similarities there on how Joey raced people. And w the way like Ross just drives somebody like a pissed off watermelon. Should, farmer, man. Should Ross is care? probably rougher than Joey. Should was. he care yeah. though? Should Ross care? No. no. If the point of this is to win the race, Yes. I'm asking this question. Like, if the point is to win the race, how does etiquette play into this? The media members to... are the only ones to talk about now. The no. driver is starting to come up a little bit. There's, there's, there, I get that there is a respect level because you you were relying on these other people in Hang these on. race cars to keep you safe, correct? Hang on. Can I, yes. Can I also say that it's a little bit coincidental and also probably bad luck in just terms of the way the season's with Denny wrecking Ross on purpose, the respect level thing coming up in Atlanta. Mind you, we had one natural caution in Atlanta at a super speedway race where people actually did race respect, and then you go to a road course, and all breaks loose. So it's like it's perpetuating this respect and etiquette talk. But 80% of that race was great. Was great. The 45 and the 24 were having a Dude, I'm not even saying that those last restarts were even bad. Like, it didn't turn it into a bad race. I'm just saying, like, most of the races, green flag runs, right? It just yeah. got long. It just got to be like, all right, now it's getting long. Yeah, yeah. But so Ross only cares about Ross, right? He goes, like you he said, he cares Sharkman about Ross and the one and track and the one team. Well, not really Trackhouse. Have you watched the this one weekend? team? The one team. So, but like, himself. but Joey. So my my point is this: Joey was the same way, but Joey matured after Matt Kenseth pulled that in Martinsville. He looked back at the way that he. <laughs> I love how you put that. <laughs> he looked back at the way that that handled. Like if you. Yeah. If you ask him today, like, what's one of your biggest regrets? He'll say, the way I handled that deal with Matt. Yeah, after Kansas. After Kansas. And he's like, you know, the way I was acting and the way you know, I was on hot streak, I really didn't care. So he, he takes he takes fault in that. That's what would happen back in the day. Like, you didn't go mess with Terry Labonte or Ricky Rudd. You, you would have to deal with them. Who is going to deal with Ross Chastain in that way? Who's finally going to have enough? Because, like, Denny tries, but it's always kind of just it, – it, like, Ross always ends up – 
the victor. Every <laughs> like time. he always comes out like <laughs> eating that plate like of chicken. Coyote eating that plate of runner. chicken in the black back but, row. But it's going to take a moment. Like what happened to Joey where he was uh, going for his fourth one in a row, going to like, almost going to back into a championship. No problem. Not back into one, but just like waltz his way right into winning a championship. And got great. Take it. Like, here you go. Boom. Yeah. And that's what took for him to mature and be like, okay, I got to play this game a little different. Yeah. What's that moment going to be for Ross? The reason why we're talking about Ross in particular right now is because his teammate got exaggeratedly mad at him for just being one of the cars in the accordion that spun him out. I'm not one at all to want big brother NASCAR to come step in and start handing out monetary penalties or fines and taking points away. If you are that mad after the race, you can't just get out and talk about it. You have to get out and throw hands. If you are that freaking oh, yeah. mad to make a show about it. Yeah. Have you been Don't that mad? Use, no, because yes. I can, I've been that mad. but Just not at the cup track. When your guard is up, when your shield is up during the race, I'm good from green flag to checkered flag, anything in there, it is you against everybody else, right? You are in the f-ing arena. Yeah. But also, if you're going to use your car as a weapon on the cooldown lap, you better get out and throw hands, bro. Well, you can't just get out and talk about I, it and then I, like walk away like you're mad at the guy. No, no. You better go do something. The only time I ever, like, I, I, obviously, I'm just talking about short track stuff, but I grew up working for a family who would, the Blue family, it's like sometimes we would go to a fight and we'd end up racing. Because we just fought, they fought so much of the junkyard guys. But I feel like, yes, like you said, from the time the green drops to the time the checker drops, if you're going to run into each other under caution or under stage break on the track, that's one thing. The race is over. If you really have that much of a problem, go settle it. Get out of your car and go settle it. Like Clint Boyer when he punched the hell out of Ryan Newman there. Yeah. Like, it's going to be better for the fans. And if you're really looking for... If you are that mad... Yes, and if you're if you're really looking for the publicity, or you really have that much attention, like I'm not an advocate for assault by any means. No, <laughs> but but like, but I'd rather it be assault with a with your hands than with a thirty six hundred pound vehicle. And then also like, there's a lot that can go on. Like you hit somebody and their foot's in the wrong. You know, they're trying to get their belt off and they stand on the gas and run over an official. There's a lot of stuff going on, and and we should have learned our lesson. When the 18 pushed the four car and the four car started at Darlington, thank God it had a bunch of 20, caster in it. 29. It wasn't 29. Mm-hmm. But thank God it had a bunch of caster in it. It hooked the left into the fence because if that thing starts and takes off down. Right. And I'm out there rolling my banner up. Now I get run over. Yeah. Like that is not fair to anybody just because you're mad. So when that's the point that I was leaning towards earlier with Keslowski when you're talking about the maturity level with Joey 10, 15 years ago. It's the guy like it's it feels like it's the guys that are saying there's this lack of etiquette now that were being accused of the same type of thing 10, 15 years ago. So that maturity level, like now they're the elder statesman in the garage. Is this their way of saying, hey, guys, there's there's a level that you need to rise to. I'll I'll add to that question for you. Is there anybody is there anybody that you respect in the garage or, you know, that was a driver that has texted you and been like, hey, curb that. Don't do that. Or. Try to do this. Like the, Is steered. there the self-policing aspect? Because, because so there's Clint like was a guy swing. for me. Yeah, Clint right? was a guy for me where, you know, when I was driving for BK or the, the first couple of years of my career when my shit was just super slow, it always seemed like I was in the way. I couldn't move out of the way for the leaders and, and maintain my pace and not give anything up and also be out of those guys' way. It took a couple ass-chewings from Clint, from Jimmy, from those guys to just be like, hey, man. If you're not racing going forward, like just start planning and thinking ahead of how you get out of the way and not give up time, whether it's not laying on somebody's quarter, whether it's just giving somebody the bot, whatever it is. So I had my ass chewings like that of text messages. But when it comes to smashing into each other, I've only really had run-ins with on the racetrack with Suarez at Dover last year. He wrecked me. uh, And at Coda. Then – I got smashed into him at Coda that he thought it was my fault. You but you were Ross Chastain last year. I was Ross Chastain. Mm-hmm. Then he's still mad at me for it. He said something to me this weekend. It's like, I don't know that there's going to be this rise of like not smashing into people. Like, it's just, I don't like restarts are getting more aggressive. It's harder to pass. So now the only place you really can pass two or three cars is on a restart, particularly on a road course. I just think that with the cars being more rugged um the spots playoff points points in general are so hard and most like every spot's worth something 
you just have to race shit out of everybody all the time. Is that why you cut the course this weekend? I cut it by about three inches. Yeah, there was a lot of guys coming down pit road for mm-hmm. that. So the first got uh, so I was behind the eleven. So him and I were following each other. He cut it, and I was just kind of like mirroring him, like tire tracking him. And yeah. I cut it by like three inches. A couple guys looked like they did that. Like Joey, that's what it looked like it happened see. to Joey. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Could you not? Could you not really if, see where the track follow- limits were? Yeah, if you're following tight through the S's of somebody, you're just hoping that guy doesn't cut it because you're literally tire track with him. Yeah. You don't really know for sure if you cut them. If you're by yourself, you obviously can tell if you if you cut it close. But got called down pit road for that one. Did you speed on that? Not not on that one. No, I sped on just a green, uh, yellow flags. Okay. The next yellow flags. Okay. Started on the tail. Then our diffuser mounts broke, so our entire diffuser was flapping up and down. So NASCAR made us come in for that. My guys literally ran to the hauler, grabbed the one inch ratchet strap from the truck, Hell ratchet yeah. strapped the diffuser up over the rear bumper. Back to itself. No way. Rat- All the way around? Ratchet strap. It's a long ratchet strap, dude. Yeah. So my diffuser was about three inches higher than what it should have been. So Spark said it was probably 200 pounds less downforce the rest of the day. But it you held think on. they did the classic line like any It's just as good. That, no, no, no. That when you're ratchet strapping something, they go, they get down, they go, well, that ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you have, you <laughs> yeah, have to say it. Probably. So, but then that, so we just fought two laps down the rest of the day and caught two Cautions there at the end, got back on the lead lap and freaking made some hay to the front, Chuck. I mean, I'm I'm looking at your running position right now and it's just you know, dog racing till, down there. No, then, seven like, laps yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, like yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Did you now like when the choose came about, did you find a lane that you liked better on the choose, especially being like in the where'd you restart on the last one? Fourteen? I was I was both restarts, I was around like Seventh row outside or eighth row outside, <clears throat> so 14th to 16th. So if you were like, was there a different lane you would choose if you were 25th and back, and then I always the chose the right, I always chose the right lane because guys Jesus. started filling the bottom, and then the a lot of guys in front of me would leave like the middle open, so I would just shoot it. And I would have like two rows worth of clear asphalt, and then you just go in there and bottlenecks, and you just smash, 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 and then you drive away. I hope you're not the one that gets spun out. Mm-hmm. It seemed as though I kept asking, like, what's the common denominator of, like, who's getting spun? And it was the third guy in line. So I tried to be the fourth or the fifth guy in line of a six-wide lane. <laughs> really? It was a third guy in line every time? Most of the time, yeah. Because that's where the energy went. That's who would be yeah, at the right inside, angle. second, spur, third spun out. And then the fourth guy can kind of go I'll have to go back. Did Sparks tell you that? That's no, good. I, actually, I actually just made that up here sitting here talking about shit. <laughs> but it sounded good. It tracks. Like it, 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 hey, it sounds good. It sounds yeah. good. But I think it was. Yeah, most overtimes in history because of that nonsense. Mm. And uh, Reddick was super fast all day. Him and the 24 Dude. had a monster battle. <clears throat> Great race. And then the one in the 99, 48, four, like he has just been On like, one. sneaky good there. Sneaky good. Um, super fast. Yeah, He's Alex. having a really good year, Alex is. Yeah. Find 100 points and still only like 16 points out of the playoffs. Do you think William Byers is the real deal yet because you were – yeah, you're throwing him, some shade at him a I couple weeks him, ago. I picked him to win this past weekend. He's a real package, total package. I think he, right now I, he's the best driver in the Cup Series. I picked Suarez. <laughs> oh, what you say? I said I picked Suarez. <laughs> yeah, the best really? driver in the Cup Series right now. Yes, yeah. over the last over the last five weeks, I'd agree. Yeah. By Ross Chastain, points leader. So they did they did uh, they have Reddick's heart rate live? I or believe, just, I believe like, so. Okay. Um, and I mean, obviously, you see him get out of the car and the adrenaline from all of those restarts, and then winning the race, and he had to have it. He said, I think that he could barely hold his son, and then he had to sit down. So he was a lot of guys. Dude, how about yeah. Jensen? Bro. Jensen Button saying he needed to stop for a water break. Some bitch came twice. in for a water break, twice. not once but twice. He said, "Man, I couldn't even keep going. I had to stop." That's not my English accent. That's not a good English accent That's at all. French. Yeah. You sound like a candlestick off Beauty and the Beast. I would rather die. <laughs> I would rather my heart stop beating into the breaking zone and I launch it Jimmy Johnson style into the <laughs> barricades before I stop for a water break. They don't, you know, Are you kidding They me? don't have like camelbacks and stuff in the car or like... He said he drank eight bottles of water, like the Camelback bottles. Jeez Louise. And what are those, like 24 ounces? E- easily, I don't know. Yeah, Quick I mean, math. What's yeah. that, seven gallons of water throughout the race? Golly. <laughs> you not hydrate before? I mean, come on. My well, favorite. My f- there is something to, like, you know, Jensen's a pretty in, he's a in-shape guy, but there is something to, like, those guys are, like, 8% body fat. You saw Casey Kane kind of deal with it towards the back of his career. Like, you can't take heat well, and like, there, you don't have any – fat or muscle like hold water weight well, that's what jimmy and always saw said a day. That, 
Jimmy said that because he did the marathons and stuff, and the more you sweat, the more you sweat, right? Mm-hmm. If, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. You just sweat easier. You're sweating right now. <laughs> There's an undisclosed driver I heard that was puking at the airport. Yeah. Guy had a tough day. He had a strong day. I'm not going to name this guy, but <clears throat> I happened to pull my rental car into like where they stage all the rental cars. And you had to park in this lot. Then they trammed us over. Win, lose, or draw. You literally yeah. sit next to the guy you just spun out or smashed into 10 laps earlier. Uh, next to like a, a in a bus. Like you're going to Disney It was Disney a nice World. bus. It was a nice bus. It was like leather seats. I pull up. This guy's wife gets out of the front seat. She's so he's married. Married, yeah. So Cuts he it down. brings... Gets all the luggage out. Meanwhile, this guy's in the front seat. I, I just figured he's on his phone. Like, I'm looking. I'm pulling my charger out of the car. I'm looking. Get my backpack. Get my luggage out of the back seat. And I walk around. I'm like, hey, buddy. Need a need a piggyback ride or something? And he goes, no. No. The closer I get, there's throw up on the dashboard, down the door. I'm like, damn, buddy. What happened? You pull the trigger. He goes, the trigger was pulled for me. <laughs> My man had some chicken and rice for lunch. I do know that. So did he get to the airport before you? His Music wife car. got. His wife yeah. got to the airport before. So basically, he was he was better than you in the rental car line too. He, was. he also finished no, in front of him in the race. Yeah, yeah. But that's. Yeah, my man had a tough day. I texted him, make sure he's all good, rehydrated. Yeah. Nobody likes to pull the trick. The so. the best the best quote I think you said it, but when you were on Sirius last week talking to Jensen oh, and then yeah. his so reaction. Jensen called in, and, and I'm a big Jensen Button fan, right? He's 2009 F1 world champion. I named my youngest son. Kelly's going to argue about that, but I named him Jensen Button. <clears throat> or Jensen. Jensen, Jensen LaJoy. Yep. Benjamin was taken. <laughs> yeah. Good one, man. Terrible <laughs> joke. Um, and he calls into Sirius, right? And I'm like, man, what do you expect? What What's like? What's going to be your definition of a good day? And he's like, Hey man, like, why'd you ask another driver that? He's like, I only go there to win. And I was like, like, I appreciate the confidence. I do. And they also started, he brought, you know, I'm driving the garage 56 car with my buddy, Jimmy. And it's just going to be a lovely, it's gonna be a lovely day. So, Hey pal, I'm gonna tell you one thing. You're going to be saying something about racing with us, but it's damn sure it's not going to be lovely. Lovely was not the word for that. He did not use lovely. His quote, his quote was Coda was like an entire F1 season. In one race. With two water breaks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a different they, style of racing. My man came in. They dumped the cooler through the window net <laughs> on his ass. Like like a like a coach at the end of a football game? Like yes, the... like Gatorade shower his ass. <laughs> I, another guy that would not say that it was lovely is Jimmy. Because we have lived long enough now to see Jimmy Johnson wreck with Ty Dillon racing for last on the first lap of a race. Tough like, look. I feel Terror. Like, I just like don't. It hurts my heart to watch it. It's not the same NASCAR Jimmy left, and he won seven championships. It's the same, but it's different. And you can't take a three, four year period off, new car, been driving Indy cars, different aero balance completely, and then come back and race like, hey, all these guys, there's not a lot of turnover. All these guys, myself included, have gotten substantially better. And now the cars he's driving aren't that much more superior than what they were. Yeah. 10 That's years ago. Point. I also got to think, though, had he not wrecked on basically what lap? It was just bad luck. Yeah. If he had gotten a run in there and like. He's right in the scrum getting smashed out of the way, too. He yeah. got hammered, though. He, I mean. Yeah. Right in the door. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bummer. I was looking for because that Because that was a race that could have played into him having a good day, too. Could have. So, but it did. But it didn't. But yeah, t- Jensen Jimmy, please come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry. We take I still love you, Jimmy. We'll talk it out. But Jensen, we'll like, it out. Jensen, bring a helmet too. Talking about the restarts, where he's like, "Dude, I was, I didn't even know that that's I, how it was gonna be." The one, the one that you sent me is like, "Yeah, they just they passed me left and right and left me standing there." <laughs> yeah. But I was like, yeah, the, dude. The fact that like, you had got to go two F one champions. Plus IMSA champion, plus yeah. seven-time champion. Like, and the fact that you know it, Bristol coming up, you've mm. got a uh, you know Jonathan Davenport who's coming to race. Really like, cool. you have all of these champions of other disciplines. Mm. They're like, you know what? I want to go race NASCAR. So everything that we said earlier about whatever you know this etiquette level or all that, there's obviously something's going on in this sport right now that people are like, you know what? I want to go run this. Hey, at the end of the day. If you want to race at the pinnacle of motorsports in North America, you're not going to the Cars Tour, right? You're not going to IndyCar. You're coming to our show. You're coming to the Daytona 500. You're coming to our place on our turf, and you're going to get smashed into. And it's kind of like it's a pretty good chance. Jonathan Davenport's going to be, I mean, he won over $2 million last year in dirt point money, won the million over Del Dora. 
just I think it's also cool for the fans to appreciate seeing guys because five, six years ago, it wouldn't have been even an option for those guys to come over and think they could be competitive. But now, same cars. You get a you get a, a dirt late model guy, dirt late model champion to come chop it up with us next week to your point two F1 champions. I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. So good time to be a motorsports fan in general. Marks did say yesterday on Sirius, I was listening to it on the ride home, that the Project 91 car, they've got uh, whatever it is, it's I think it's finalized. They're just waiting to figure out how to announce it. But he said another international driver, Ricardo, in the '99. <laughs> Ricciardo? Ricardo. I don't know. I he, wish, he didn't. He he said it was. He said well, it was a done th- deal. I think that I think that it's running all the road course races. Didn't he already say that? Yeah. Uh, the question posed to him was, did did Kimmy do enough to get a chance back? And he was like, Look, yeah, but this is this is meant to put more international people in. And he said the deal was done. So. What's our next road course? Anybody? Sonoma? Yeah. Oh. yeah. It's in July, June? June. July. June. It's my yeah. favorite one. That's a good road course, Sonoma's man. Nice. It's my yeah. favorite one. The only and there's moment. no 90-degree braking zone in turn one, so guys have a little bit of a couple corners to to do it. But the, car, the carousel is the last corner, which is always fun to watch if someone's close enough. Yes, it is. That's pretty good. Let's jump into some pit road boats and whoa! Right after that. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Boats. And woes. It's, isn't it funny just how like a race could unravel for somebody, particularly the one car off a bad pit stop? Uh, I wouldn't say it unraveled, but it he ended him, up fourth. Put him behind. Put him yeah. behind. Yeah, he, yeah. That's what's so impressed me about the forty-five this weekend. Like I'm super stoked for them because when your car is that good, you can only mess it up. Yeah, that's all you can do. And they and they executed. But the one car, man, we've seen them be the do best. You have the roster pulled up. The best team. Oh yeah. Yeah, I got it. Let's give a shout out to the dogs. You want to hear about the dogs of the week? Yes. Here's the big deal. Let me preface this. Okay. The 45, Josh Shipp with their coach. Dog. 2311 was vocal last year. They didn't like what Gibbs was giving them. We're going to build our own pit crews. We're going to rent out Gibbs' pit department, and we're going to practice ourselves. Josh Shipp takes that job on, and you have Houston Stanford over there helping him, front tire changer. Dog. Brian Deal, the fueler. Definitely a dog. Buddy of mine, Nathan Ricketts. Yep. Jackman from the 21 last Ricketts year. Ricketts and Crickets, dog. He went over there. Brian Bottomley, rear changer, guy from RCR. He's won races there. Yep, dog. And a personal friend of both of ours, Wade Moore. Wade Moore? He's over there? Yeah. Old Definitely guy. a dog. Definitely a dog. They're all veteran guys. They've all won races. Just a pack of dogs. Everywhere they've been. And to get put together and and thrown into that situation this early in the season, man, they, they crushed it. And they just had a great day. I think they were P1 on pit road. And... um. If they weren't, we're giving them an anyway. And they took uh, the pitchers. Yeah, I was just I was super stoked to see them execute because when like like I said, when you're that good and you have a car that good, it's like being a kick like a field goal kicker. Yeah, you if it goes in, you've just done your job. Yeah, right. And if you like, the only thing that you can do is, is miss the field is, goal yes, and get death threats. Yes, and be it'd be bad. Um, so I was I was stoked for them, and yeah, it's it's very uncharacteristic to see the one team. It looks like 
they just didn't think the right front was super tight. Uh, Who? In front changer. And Shane dropped it and kind of stopped, jacked yeah. it back up. But when he hit the trigger, like the socket didn't move much again. So obviously an awareness play where he didn't feel comfortable with it. Best team on pit road last year and a very strong start for them this year. So I'm sure they'll address that and fix that. But, uh, but man, we were on pit road way more than I thought we were going to be. Mm. A lot of, a lot of damage. Did you have some damage. Got drove in the left rear. I like dude, huge Kyle Larson fan. No clue where he was going on that one. Did you see that replay? Neither did Ty Dillon last year at Indy. About killed the poor guy. <laughs> yeah, about five. I You're talking about five. Yeah, yeah, about. Yes. I didn't see what happened this time, this week. So where's that corner that you kind of like? You can either like swing it out real wide and get a. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the forty-three. It was us. The forty-three and the five. So Ryan forty-three five. I think the five was kind of better than the forty-three and us maybe a little bit, and he was getting like antsy but where they both swung wide like he tried to shortcut it and then yeah. he kind of got in there too deep but like he hit us in the left rear so hard it bent the upright like it had like i don't know look like 10 degrees of camber mm. it's like holy crap because most of the time you get hit and spun out but you don't kill stuff like that yeah so he came was this in before or after he damn near got killed by bubba i think it was i think it was before okay and yeah it was just it was just crazy that that happened and then we went back out met minimum speed and it's like well we're the only car lap down we might as well keep running we had everything set up in the garage because code is nice. It's terrible because there's no room behind your pit box, but it's also nice because you kind of back up to your garage stall if it works out that way. So we just kind of went back there, brought all our tires, were ready for them to come to the garage, and we just stayed out and kept running. We were in position to have a pretty good finish, and we got spun out two more times. I think we ended up 21st or so, but it was a long, hard-fought day. But the question I had for you is about the 16. What about him? So could he not hear them? Or could they not hear him? Because well, they he had a radio issue. If they taped too short to the pit sign, then he must not have been able to hear communication. Now, what's the NASCAR rule? If you have to be able to, you have to be able to communicate. So like, you if have he to couldn't be able hear, to hear anybody, he needed a pit and get that fixed. I mean, it's probably stat, past statute limitations at the moment because it's a Wednesday. Cor no, but. correct. But I'm just like wondering on that because would you be able to race with no well radio? As a, as a yes, well, yeah, you could just. Because you kind of pit when everybody else pits, and on restarts and stuff, you just use your mirrors and try to get get around best as possible. But you're also not going to make it a big deal, like, "Hey, I can't hear you. I can't hear you." Because NASCAR scans everybody. Yeah. So if they pick up on somebody like that saying they can't hear, well, they're going to listen to more communication. And if it's evident that there's the driver can't hear the the spotter, they would bring you in. Similar to how when my diffuser broke this weekend, I was flapping up and down. Our secondary spotter was like, "Hey, man, that diffuser's bouncing up and down." So NASCAR's like, "Ting, bring it, at, bring it in here and fix really? it." Oh. Yeah, Sparks yeah. probably chewed him out. He did. I bet. I'm, um, not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, say names, but our second spotter, I guess he was, he was just trying to help out. He was, "Hey, Sparks, I think that, um, you know, you think we don't have any track position here? Would it be better off just top off here?" And Ryan said, "Hey, how about you just worry about spotting this motherfucker?" <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I love that. Yeah, uh, I remember. Our first one with Blaney at the 21 car, which was like super special, but it was at Pocono and his radio broke um, where he could hear us, but we couldn't hear him. So it was like, put your hand on the door if yeah. it's loose and no. put your hand on the roof yeah. if it's tight. And we won. So since then, we're like, man, Ryan, maybe we should just take the microphone out of your helmet. You probably help him. That's, help always, the no, that's always the joke. But um, but yeah, that was that was that's a how they used to do it in day. the old days. Damn. Touch the touch the door if you're loose. Touch the roof if you're tight. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool, but this weekend I'm excited. I might have that backwards. Yeah, we whatever. Need, it we is. need old head in here. Whatever it is to uh, tell us, we're actual factor up. This what else we got? This weekend's exciting for pit crew guys. Um, Richmond, Ooh. Richmond, a, a pit crew competition. It could be. This is where Gibbs kind of unveiled their next gen stop last year. This race and it's definitely turned into four tires. You know, run what you brung. Hope you brought enough. Hope you brought enough. Excited to watch you in the modified race. Well, I uh, hope you don't hold your breath because I'm not running it. Oh, man, I thought you were running it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Darn it. Well, I'm excited to watch the modified race on Friday night. Yeah, it'll be good. And then some Xfinity. Are they trucks this week? They are. Trucks are, I believe, in Texas. This weekend? Yes. With this the Indy week. cars? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's that doubleheader weekend where they're down there. Are they okay. Friday night or Saturday night? I believe they're Saturday. Saturday, 4.30 p.m. on FS1. Awesome. A lot of racing to digest this weekend. A lot of racing to digest. We want to digest a little bit of this Coda action, though, with Jordan Taylor, our big guest, waiting in the wings. Stay tuned. We're going to talk to him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Right after this. All right, guys, very special guest joining us via Zoom in studio, two-time Insta champion, Filling in for Chase Elliott on his first NASCAR race. We wanted to pick his brain. Rodney Sandstorm, a.k.a. Jordan Taylor, joins the show. How you doing, pal? I'm good. How about you guys? Are you sore? Yes, I am. (laughs) Everything is sore. So let's back up before like the last eight laps. How was your NASCAR experience prior getting there Friday? You had 50 minutes of practice to get acclimated. Fourth on the charts. Qualified fourth, I believe. You had a super strong car, dropped the green, ran well, and then all hell broke loose at the end. But what did you think before that? Yeah, I'd say like the lead up was all great. Uh, obviously, Hendrick preps drivers super well. I, I knew there was a ton of ton to learn, so I got a lot of homework. Uh, Wednesday, I went to the shop before the race, did some sim time, did pit stop practice, tried to learn all the protocols for pit stop procedures and those things, and went over some race strategy. Uh, and then, yeah, basically thrown in right at the deep end, no no proper testing beforehand, and then practice. I'd say I had one thing in mind that I thought the car would be like and honestly almost crashed in the carousel on my outlap, almost wrecked over that big bump in turn one on my first time lap. Uh, and then, yeah, kind of try to calm myself down and understand that this thing is a beast to drive and got some speed out of it by the end of the session, but still felt relatively out of control Uh and then qualifying, yeah, the car felt completely different to me, but the speed came really easily, which was nice. And then my game plan for the race was uh, the guys were kind of telling me, like, toe links, side-to-side contact, you can break toe links pretty easily. So I was like, all right, it's a three-hour race. I'll take it easy. Green flag drops, and it's just pure mayhem. And I'm just dropping, I'm dropping positions every restart because I'm being a little bit too cautious, trying not to have contact in. I got shuffled back probably too far early in the race. I made two mistakes driving-wise, I'd say, that lost us some spots. And then, yeah, that's just the restarts kind of pushed me back each time. And I think once, like, that green-white checkered trend started, I went back to begin with, and I somehow shuffled forward. And then on the last one, I think I was 11th. And then, yeah, I got shuffled back again. So it was hard to kind of figure out what was happening on the restarts, where to place yourself to, to kind of get through there cleanly. But, yeah, definitely a big learning experience through the whole event. Now, I want you to name names here. Who hit you the hardest? I honestly have no idea because <laughs> I would I would go into turn one and I'd be like, okay, I see who's like next to me. And then the spotter would be like, all right, you're in the middle, four wide. I'm like, how the heck am I four wide? I thought there was only one guy next to me. And they're like, all right, now you're five wide out of one. I'm like, holy smokes. And sometimes I'd come out of one. I'm like, all right, I passed a bunch of guys, I think. And then I'd be like, all right, you dropped three spots that run. And I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. And then you get to turn eight, someone smashed you in the back, you're offline for nine, then you get smoked into 10 and 11. Uh, So I'm not sure who was hitting all the time. I knew like halfway through, I just started hitting back because I was kind of tired of it. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then, yeah, I I pushed Denny off in 11. Yes. Because I was like, I've got pushed off here already. So someone else has to get it at this point. And then, (laughs) yeah, every time someone would hit me in the back, I'd hit someone in the front and my head would just be kind of bouncing back and forth. So. Maybe next time I tighten my Hans clips a little bit tighter. What was different with the car versus what you expected? Because you've driven about every type of road racing car there is. What is different about a cup car? I mean, I've also driven the Garage 56 car, um, which was based off 
off of this car. So I thought like that would be a good prep for me, but honestly, it couldn't have been any different. So like Jensen, Jimmy and I have all driven that car and we got out of the car after the first practice and we all were like huge eyes, like, holy cow, that was a different experience. I, I guess that car has been developed so much more than a cup car from downforce, you know, brakes, overall grip, just the drivability of the car is completely different. So when I got in it, I was like, all right, it's going to be a little bit slower, a little bit less grip, a little less braking capability. And it was like a substantial difference. Like, like I said, when I almost spun in the carousel the first lap, I thought I was cruising. And then it like, I kind of got a little surprised. I was like, all right, I'll catch it. But it's got so much weight behind it. Once that kind of pendulum effect starts, it just keeps going. So I was like, oh, I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. And then it just kept going. And then somehow I caught it. And then I braked into turn one. I think it hit the stops on the back, had a snap. So everything just happens extremely fast, but slow enough to be like, oh, I, I can get, I can catch this. But since it's so heavy, it's like, wait, I might not actually get this and catch this. So I was honestly shocked that people weren't spinning left and right in that first session with how out of control I felt. And then, yeah, just understanding the braking capabilities. Uh, I'm used to having all these lights in the car to tell us if we're locking front tires, locking rear tires, uh, the pit lane speed. I'm used to like a cruise control button. That was a whole different thing to to kind of nail and practice. So yeah, there were a lot of little details that I was just so worried about messing up before the weekend that kind of had me stressed. Those are only things you were able to really practice once the race starts. How do you digest that from your practice session and then go out and put yourself in the second round of qualifying and qualify fourth? Yeah, I mean, the car was obviously good. Uh, obviously, like I think Kyle was in the top 10 as well in that first practice. I felt like I understood how to get lap time out of the car, but when I'd have those big moments in practice, I was like, I don't even know why I'm having these massive moments. So that's what put some fear into me for qualifying. Like I'm having these big snaps in like two and six in the carousel and these big moments, like you'll lose a second. And when you go into qualifying, like Corey knows you have one lap to do it uh, to hopefully move on to the top 10 round. So I was just super stressed. Like I wanted to put in a good banker lap, but not take the huge risk in those corners that I was making mistakes. So we did our first lap and I felt like, all right, I understand what this car is doing now. I feel in control. I understand what it's doing. Uh, I think we were third after our first lap and we saw in the first round that guys sometimes went faster than their second lap. So we really wanted to make the top 10. So we went for a second run and I was able to get like another three tenths out of the car and jump to second. So I think that hurt our chances in that top 10 round. But for me, when I drove the car in qualifying, it felt like a car that I would be familiar with driving. It felt more familiar. I could push it in the places I felt like I could find lap time. And yeah, I think just the way the cars are set up and pressures are different from a practice car to a qualifying car to a race car is why the qualifying car just suited my style a little bit better. I need a tip because I feel losses last year's Easter eggs on a road course. Whenever I try to go faster, I go slower. And then whenever I try to go slower, I go even slower yet. So where's the speed at on a road course? Uh, for me, it all starts in the brake zone, uh, like maximizing the brakes and understanding the maximum braking capability that you can get. Uh, that was like the first thing I told the team. Like when I go out for practice, I'm just going to go down the back straight, slam on the brakes, figure out the limit of the front and rear, find my bias position and figuring out what's the limit of this car in that section of the racetrack. And once you kind of nail that for me, then you that sets up your whole corner. That understands how you're going to bleed off the brake, roll into the corner, how much speed you can carry, what's the limit of the tire at different phases. And then that's going to set up your exit as well. So for me, it all starts on the entry. The biggest struggle for me with this car was understanding the capability. Like I, I could figure out like one, 11, all the low speed stuff came naturally, but then it was like turn two, the S's, eight, nine, like those sections were difficult because those aren't places where you're breaking and finding the limit that way. Those are places that you're kind of judging speed from what the car is giving you. And with the cup car, like I'm sure you had massive moments this weekend, like when you turn in and you hit those stops in the rear and it snaps on you. That for me was a very hard thing to judge of how hard to attack. And yeah, I had the same thing. The harder I push on entries to some of those high speed spots, the, the worse it felt. And I was like, I tried to back it up and using the, like the GPS and the data that you guys use, seeing what other guys were doing. It seemed like if you back up entries to kind of the higher speed corners, it kind of helped set you up more for the exits. Do you guys have SMT? 
No, like I, so, I think it's amazing that you guys can see what everyone's doing. We we don't we don't have anything like that. Because one thing I noticed, I think, to start the race was like your car on entry, when I went back and watched it, would move around a little bit more than everybody else's. So is your bias much different from like qualifying to have to work on that or figure out when you're in a crowd? Like the only thing I could think of when I watched you qualify, I I texted right away like, hey, we need to get him on because you qualified so good. And then when I watched the start of the race, I thought about Rowdy Burns going. Now go get your own car. We'll see you doing a crowd. So I was like, oh, he's getting trial by fire right now. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't know what the difference was. Like when you finally got in the pack and the race started, judging your brake, you know, your brake pressure on entry, because it did look like you were moving around a little bit more than some of the guys around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did feel way, way more confident by myself. Like every time things got stretched out in the race and I could kind of pick guys off, I felt like, and make moves that I'm used to making. It was always those restarts and those first full laps that I would kind of just get swarmed i felt like where i'd put myself in a position where like all right i'm gonna defend a spot and then something else would happen and then i get swarmed a different way so yeah it was definitely a new experience i think i would definitely use my race crash a little bit differently had i have a chance to do it again especially that first time lap i felt like the first lap of the race when i was like all right let me settle in not have any damage was the biggest mistake i made where i kind of got shuffled back into that mid-pack and I think once guys saw that I was shuffling back, they're like, all right, we're going to take advantage of that next time and next time. And that's kind of what I think was kind of our, our biggest mistake. I think there's, I think there's, where you got 12th to 14th to like 24th is a hell of a place to make a living. Bro, in the cup field. That, yeah. Corey's, no, no. Been, Corey's been you, living there. Well, you say swarmed. <laughs> it, with, every week I talk about it, it's the hornet's nest because oh, yeah. you yeah. get from like 8th to 23rd. And it's just a bunch of broke dicks running all over each other trying to make a living. <laughs> well. I do it every week. And it's <laughs> and also it's like you're at a disadvantage too because I know and everybody else knows I don't have to race with you at Richmond this weekend, right? So you have this target on your back. Even though you try to race clean, you're just gonna get used up, unfortunately. But you wanted to you brought this up and I wanted to touch on it. If you get another opportunity, is there potential? And now you kind of understand the aggression level, the racing etiquette or lack thereof of the Cup Series on a road course, would you want to do it again? And where would you want to do it? Yeah, I mean, when I got out of the car after the race, I, I told my brother, like, holy cow, that was intense. I don't know if I'd actually want to do that again. It's like my whole body hurt from just getting hit all the time. Like every time I'd restart, I'd be like getting smashed in the head. My hands got knocked off the wheel. I thought I broke my hand at one point. I'm like, that was just a war out there. I don't even know what happened. So like, I was like, I wasn't even racing. I was just surviving. So yeah, I think like looking back on the weekend now, like I definitely want to do it again. I feel like I went in and I was very stressed over the whole experience just because I knew what was going on. Like I was filling in for Chase Elliott with a top car, top team. We'd have so many eyes on us to perform and I didn't really like enjoy the process as much as I should have. I'm glad that I showed speed. I'm glad that I now know that I can drive a cup car on a road course and, and get speed out of it. Uh, it's just the racecraft I wasn't ready for. So I think having that in my back pocket now, I can work on all those things next time. And even like going to the race, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to do a pit stop properly, hit pit speed, uh, get penalties doing that. So I checked off all those boxes this weekend where I feel like I can move on to another weekend and, you know, just focus on my driving, focus on the race itself and, and those sorts of things. Uh, yeah. But where, where I'd want to do it would be obviously a road course. I've never driven on an oval. So uh, I think that's kind of out of the question at this point. Bristol dirt's coming up, dude. <laughs> I think, it, I think you can fit right in. That's your. I mean, there's only like really four guys that really know what they're doing at a dirt track, so you'd probably fit right in. Yeah, you'd be fine. If you had to pick an oval, though, like I mean, you're you're obviously a, a NASCAR fan to be interested in doing yeah. this. You're a social media darling with Rodney Sandstorm character. If you had to pick an oval to do, which one would which one would you have circled? Uh, probably Martinsville. I feel like that one looks fun. I mean, I, I say fun, but that's probably the next one that you guys have the most contact at. So. Uh, like Martinsville, I feel like you drive it more like a road course. I don't know. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but yeah. it seems like with the brake zones and stuff that like, that can maybe be a good stepping stone to understand a little bit of the oval racing. You, don't, you definitely don't get like the arrow wash or any of that stuff that you guys deal with. But I feel like that a super speedway would be fun. I feel like once it gets to like mile and a half tracks, that would be a huge learning experience where I would be out of my depth just to jump into a race weekend when you, when you guys don't have any testing or, or practice. So tell tell the listeners who might not follow road racing so much, how could they keep up with Jordan Taylor throughout the course of the year? Uh, well, I'm on social media, Jordan 10 Taylor, uh, but I race in IMSA, 
NASCAR owns. That's basically like the NASCAR road course racing series or sports car series. So that's Rolex 24 Daytona, Sebring 12 hour. We race at Long Beach next week. Watkins Glen's another big one for us. So yeah, we, we often have some of you guys come over for our big one at the Rolex 24. So it was cool to kind of step on your guys stomping grounds and, and see what it's like on your side as well. Are you running every NASCAR driver you see at the Rolex 24 next year right off the track now after this experience? Just, <laughs> you guys did it to uh, me. I'm doing it to you. Yeah. I, I mean, if they tried to do what they were doing out there, they wouldn't last very long just because the car would break and they'd be back in the garage. So uh, there'd have to be a different way to do it to get back to them. Did the seven car run into you at all? I drove them right off the track once. No, so I feel like we might have had a good battle, right? Did I I tapped you in six yeah. to get you wide, yeah. and then I went outside of seven, and then did you drive me off there? So we went through seven, we went eight top of the hill, then we went back to the to the left, and I just drove you straight off the, into the grass. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like honestly, honestly, the tap that I had with you in six, I was like, that was sweet. Like I did a bump yeah. and run, like that's what NASCAR is all about, and then I just get body slammed in the next corner, like. Shoot, I think I was trying to be the nice guy with my little bump and run. And then, yeah, it was, it was cute. Again. It was a nice bump and run. I saw it. I'm like, ooh, yeah. He's definitely not getting away with that one. <laughs> trying to sun well, me. I think, it, I think that's what happened with Denny. Like, I smoked him right off the track, and then he just came and slammed me right back. So I was like, <laughs> I don't think they like it when you initiate anything. No, especially, like I said, man, you're not coming back next week, unfortunately. So they can, like, use you up and not think twice about it. But before you go, every guest, no exceptions to stack and pennies get asked three questions if you had to pick one type of race car and one racetrack to race at the rest of your life what do you go with oh wow that's a difficult question i would pick the intrepid gtp car that my dad used to race in the early 90s and i'd probably race it at road atlanta okay first first answer with that one number two what's the <laughs> yeah. most uh, embarrassed you've been at the racetrack at the racetrack shoot i mean i spun under yellow once when i was young that was pretty bad Spun out yellow. So did Kimmy's. Yeah. He spun out there in yellow today. Or did this he? Past did he, he was right behind me. Yeah, there was, I don't know. The... Did he get on that dirt in turn eight? No. What's so that, that What's crazy. that long carousel corner? Yeah, like 16, 17, 18. Yeah, so we come off the corner and everybody was checked up because it was yellow and he come off full bore and saw me checked up and just oh. locked and spun right out. Ah. Dang. Turn Dang. eight with turn eight with the dirt on it was crazy this weekend. And that the guys was like would miss it by like a tire length and spin out. That was Yeah. Oh, you couldn't miss I mean Dude, if you got your crazy. left on the curb and got into the dirt, you were just hanging yeah. off. Yeah. Question number three. If you had to get rid of all your racing memories except one, what do you keep? Uh I keep the Rolex twenty four win in twenty seventeen with my brother, Max Angelelli and Jeff Gordon. That was our first Rolex twenty four win as a family and it was kind of Jeff's end of his career, Max Angelo's end of his career. So it was kind of a special moment for everybody. Cool, man. I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully I see you on the racetrack again soon. Thank you sure. for filling in for old Clyde, keeping the seat warm for him. Guest anytime. You're welcome back, back anytime, Jordan, to Stacking Pennies. Yeah, thank you, guys. And that was Jordan Taylor, and this is Penny for Your Thoughts. So, Janie, what do we got? We got a couple of thoughts this week. Our first one comes from at RJB14911, and they want to know how many variables are there in terms of setups for the car? Bonus question, how many of those variables can be altered on pit road? Great question. Somebody brought up, I did an interview the other day. Somebody said, is this next-gen car the great equalizer? And I said, it's not equal. You are working with the same parts, but the manner of which you put them together, the fit and finish of the body, the dimensions of the, of the underwing, and there is a very, very large box in terms of setup, your points, your caster cambers, your toe, bump steer, I mean, your four springs. Like, I think that there's more variables in terms of setup with this car, probably times five than with the previous car because really and truly with the old car you would have full truck arm split three inches of track bar rake bottom left side track bar and then you would do nose weight and wedge and left rear spring to get your balance you probably have 10 hitters and then you had hoped your down down force was enough hoped your side force was good enough and hope you had enough power that's essentially what the game was and your truck arms and track bar were like that just to try to get as much skew as you could correct now you're talking about 0.006 of anti-dive 
you're talking about 0.2 or 3 degrees of, of camber. And you can be, I'm telling you, you can be a half round of left rear bump stop load from being really good or complete you know what. So it's those little tiny adjustments, the little tiny just pennies all over the car. If there was 50 areas to get pennies previously, now there's 200 areas to get pennies in terms of just overall speed and longevity of a, of a long run. So, and of those pennies that you can get during the pit stop, you have your wedge. Air pressure. Air pressure. That, that's And that's it. If you're, well, if you're doing a pit stop, a normal pit stop, it's wedge and air pressure. Yeah. Now, if you want to, if you're really running bad and you want to, Change some sway bar arms. Well, you want to put, you know, some, you want to adjust the front shocks. You got a tool that you, yeah. you know, stick in the hole in the front shock and you put some rounds on that. And, but you're not, you're not going to, you can adjust the shocks too, really, if you wanted to. But if, for, for lack of better purposes, if you're going to pit the car, it's wedge and air pressure. That's it. And sometimes, like a lot of times, depending on what kind of springs you guys are running or what kind of... Sometimes you only have one you only one have window one. worth of an adjustment. Yeah. Because because the bump style, it doesn't fit. The yeah. adjuster doesn't fit on the shock. When, yep. when drivers like Kyle Busch and Tyler Reddick are making a team swap and they have all this information from their last team, they're coming into their new team, they're telling them everything, right? How long does it take to actually capitalize on both sets of information once you put it together? I think that Kyle Busch, what he's bringing, and his knowledge of the race cars, I don't know Tyler as much as I know Kyle. I think, I mean, Kyle Busch, is, his racing IQ is like savant level, right? And he knows what he wants, is really inquisitive of what the car is running. And he's even said in some interviews over the offseason of like, it's interesting to hear how the philosophies on how Chevrolet and RCR make grip versus to what the philosophies of Toyota and Gibbs were, <clears throat> where that's the way it's always been. You've kind of seen Toyotas make mechanical grip, and then maybe the Chevys make more aero grip or something like that. So when you know when you take the the knowledge of Kyle Busch and then you give it to a Randall Burnett who was already building fast race cars, and he kind of knows the mindset of what Toyota was doing, it definitely still they haven't ran great. I think he already finished second. This week, you, he's been good. Yeah, he's been he good. Up front. He's yeah, I mean, but we have he hasn't been quite as strong. But he's gonna be a he's gonna be there all year. Kyle Busch is gonna come in and make your whole team better. He'll make everybody yeah. there better. Tyler Reddick drives the living crap out of his car, yeah. and that's why that's why he's making the you know the mm-hmm. forty five better. So yeah, yeah, he's not. Tyler's not bringing knowledge. He's bringing his lead foot. Yeah. Even though it's a size seven, <laughs> it's still full lead. Maybe six and a half. Moving on. Question number two comes from Kelly, and they want to know, a few drivers had radio issues at Coda. How difficult does that make the race, and how do you work around this? Really not as hard as you'd think. Um, you kind of just pit around everybody around you, and you really don't use your spotters at a road course much anyways. You just kind of see the people that are in your mirror, people in your spot mirror, and then you just kind of hammer your way on through So. If you are going to have radio issues, you'd probably rather have them at a road course than anywhere else. And our last question for the week, at Jeremy Taylor 93 wants to know, tons of drone camera shots from this past weekend. Do you ever notice the drones from the driver's seat? And if so, do they ever distract you? Um, I like watching the race back. I like the drone shots because I've ger- generally found watching the races back, Fox shoots super tight and they don't show you the full action and the whole scope of what's going on. So... I like Fox kind of embracing, hey, zoom out a little bit because there's a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, it's a bit subjective to road course racing. So hopefully they they like zoom out a little bit and show more than like the front bumper and the rear bumper of two cars in frame a little bit more often. Um, but it is kind of funny. You'll see like the drone out your window or something. Oh, look at that little damn thing. It's kind of hauling ass. But it doesn't really distract you because it, it's speed. That's just like a little speck. You don't even notice it. That's, That's all, all we have this week. All right, keep sending them in. I saw I saw some more that didn't make the cut this week, but keep sending them in. Hashtag Penny for your thoughts. Penny stackers of the week. I didn't really have one keyed up this week. Who's got, the unnamed driver, his wife, who <laughs> drove <laughs> his feebled, throw-up, stricken rental car to the airport. <laughs> she is the penny stacker. Not the person that has to clean said rental car. Uh, Not the poor soul that has to clean. They can just stand back and hose it. She actually had to get the luggage yeah. out herself. She yeah. loaded them up, 
took great care of them and shipped them down the road. Oof. She wasn't prepared You, ma'am, are penny stacker of the week. That's all I got. Are you excited for Richmond? Uh, I am excited for Richmond because we have a great-looking hot rod. You uh, Are you taking the bus out there? No. I'm actually staying at another Blue Green Vacations resort. And the Blue Green Vacations are on the car this weekend. We've been uh, partnered up for four years now. This is only the second time I've been on the car, so I'm pumped up about the old seven Camaro carrying the blue green vacation colors. They've uh, they've been a great partner. They've got some killer resorts too. Bro, that place in Phoenix was sick. Yeah, we had a three bedroom place. It actually worked out. You guys need to bring the family out there next year. It's called Cibola Vista. Levi was freaking having a blast for his third birthday. Water slides, hot tub. We went back and forth from the hot tub to the cold tub, or the he call, he kept calling it the cold tub. It was the pool, like no less than sixty times. He was having he was having a blast. Kelly went to the spa, got her nails, did the whole thing. Food trucks. There's like a Wild West type it's show. It's like its own town. It's got like a they do this like the show on like I don't know Tuesday nights or something. But they brought them in special for us and like the blue green people that were going to the NASCAR race. Like they have a little Western shootout and stuff. That's cool. It's pretty good. So they've really uh, they've really knocked this NASCAR program out of the park, and it's cool to. Uh, to continue to support those guys, we meet. I meet about thirty people through Blue Green Vacations each and every week. Um, but yeah, they're always, dude, they're the best. But I'm gonna be checking in there this weekend and staying Friday and Saturday night and enjoying myself at a Blue Green Vacations Resort because it's, they it's sure. gotta be nice if you just got a new bus with heated floors. Yeah. So if you're choosing a Blue Green Resorts over that, it's that's how be good it nice. is. In addition to the Cibola Vista one in Phoenix, I've stayed in a bunch of them. They got a couple in Daytona that are super nice. Stayed one in Charleston. Stayed in one in Branson, Missouri. Stayed one all over the freaking place because Blue Greens are everywhere and they're great. Check them out. They're the official vacation ownership provider of NASCAR, and they're on my hot rod this weekend. They're sharing some happiness with me, riding along with me this weekend. And I'm glad you guys got to share some happiness with us today on Stacking Pennies. Make sure you like, download, share, rate, review, give us five stars. Make sure you tune in a spare change this Sunday for the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond Raceway, 3.30 on FS1. That was a good talk. I'm going to talk to you guys this weekend. Keep rooting for me. Keep stacking pennies. Goodbye. <laughs>